Let's not take things for granted Every seed you saw you planted Our life is given to us This earth is not our home Your way behind comprehension Further than we could imagine How really good God has been So good We're blessed in so many ways It's hard to put in words Try to explain, find it in my heart, let it display. Just know God, I'm grateful. Acknowledge you in all of your ways. Lead me to the path, Lord, I trust and obey. You said you never leave, you're right here with me. Just know that I'm thankful. God for you. P5 from Grown Up Eruptions, encouraging you to listen to Walk in Truth Radio with Pastor James. If you're looking for a Bible study that's very detailed and he explains everything, he makes sure you understand it on the way, and he makes sure he takes the time to explain everything, the history, what's about to happen, what's already happening. He answers questions before you can even ask them. This is a pastor that knows what he's talking about. Please tune in to his show, Walk in Truth Radio. You can get him on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor.fm, Podbean, Radio Public, any platform. He has it. He's on there. So make sure y'all turn in to, to Walk in Truth Radio with Pastor James. Hi, Pastor James. Keep it up, my brother. Hello, this is Pastor Jay with Walk of Truth Radio Podcast and Senior Pastor of Walk of Truth Christian Fellowship Church. I want to invite all those in the St. Louis metropolitan area to come worship with us every Sunday at 8 a.m. at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ building located at 2301 Wallace Avenue. That's W-A-L-L-I-S Avenue 63114 in Overland, Missouri. 
Our Dig Deeper Bible Studies are held 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. on Tuesdays. Our Rescue Addiction Recovery class is being held at 7 p.m. on Mondays. We want you to come enjoy the love of God, worship with us, and go line by line and verse by verse as we travel through the Bible. We look forward to seeing you, and one of the things you can leave at home is your wallet. We want you to come sit back, enjoy the fellowship, the love, and the great teaching that goes on at Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Jay. I always want you to be encouraged to be blessed, and thank you for considering us as your place of worship. Peace. In the world, as we see in the Old Testament, they just keep going in a circle and a circle, circle and a circle. They get in trouble, they call for God. God show up just because God good. He show up, get them out, then they go right back in later. It's always this thing that we forget. That's the sin in us that makes us forget about God and who God is. It's not because we, it's not because we practice any religious thing. It's just because we sinners and we just we just have a short term memory when it comes to God. It's kind of interesting. We can always remember the negative. I can ask you about the toy you didn't get when you was 10. You can tell me about it. But you can't really explain the last time God was good to you. You shouldn't have to explain because he's good to you every second, every minute. Other day. And as we as we traveling through Romans and Joshua at the same time, we see the reflection of God being good to the Israelites. And therefore, God is going to be good to the us who are called the Gentiles, the church. Okay? God is always looking forward to moving us forward in spite of what we went through. You are some of your experiences with God and with man. And the only thing God wants you to do is rely on your relationship with him versus the reality of your relationship with man. That's all he wants you to do. He wants you to judge man by his word versus you judging him by man's word. I'm going to say it again. You don't lay your experiences on the word of God and judge it. God's word judges your experiences. Yeah. So if God says that this experience is good for you, no matter how bad you think, it's good for you. And that's why he told us to count it all as joy. He didn't say be joyful. He said count it as joy. Uh -huh. When you fall into the testing and the diverse things that you may go through in human existence. You have to learn to count it. The, word, the, way, the only way to count it is to understand that there's a good that comes out of it. You may not see it at the time, but it will be good. Okay? Let's open up our Bibles, <coughs> excuse me, to Joshua, chapter 5. We're still hanging out. We just crossed over the Jordan, and uh, we call the crossing, what was the crossing? Greek word, uh, Jewish word, I mean, a bar. And now we're going to La Croix, which is the crossing, okay? We're about to, we, we crossed, and now we're going to conquer. I'm sorry, we're going to conquer. Oh, last week I said something out of uh, Nehemiah that was uh, error in statement, right in substance was error in statement, meaning that when I told you that uh, Saul was the one who they elected, but Saul hadn't been born yet. Right. So it was, I want to say like Saul, but it was actually when they elected Aaron mm -hmm. to build the calf, right. the, the, the idol mm -hmm. that they were elected, that they sinned against God. And you know the funny thing about it is, during the time of Exodus, they sinned against God a lot. Mm -hmm. They sinned against God a lot. Think about it. They sinned against God when they built the idol. They sinned against God when they murmured. They sinned against God when, when, when his sister talked against him. They just kept sinning against God while in the wilderness. That's why they was in the wilderness. You stay in the wilderness because you're disobedient and you grumble and you complain. Mm -hmm. 
So whatever you're going through is not, see, they stayed in the geographical wilderness, but see, we're talking about the wilderness of the mind and the heart. Okay? They, remember, this is Jesus concealed. So there's a lot of geographical things of where they were that show that you can be if you be disobedient to God. Okay? If you be disobedient to God. Every time man elects a, 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 a spiritual leader of God, he goes wrong. And Aaron was the first one. Aaron, if Moses taking too long, we're going to let you build us an idol. And that went terribly wrong, didn't it? By the time we get to Saul, Saul, you tall and look better than everybody else, you're going to be our king. We're wrong. You can't elect God's man or woman. They're appointed by God. That doesn't make any sense for you to elect them. See, the, the thing about church, and I'll just give church history a little bit of church history, the thing where the presbytery votes for the pastor is something that we misunderstand in this. In this. The reason why that was even invented because it assumed that the people had enough God in them to make that decision. How can you, how can a person who barely come to church, don't come to Bible study, be the one who elect man God's person? That, that, that person ill informed don't even know the word of God. They don't have no spirit of God in them to do that. So their vote, it can be swayed by certain things other than God's word. God has never called for an election. Never in the history of the church. Never called for an election. That's a man did. And, and we got the repercussions of it now. Because, because becoming a pastor become political. If I shake enough hand, kiss enough babies, do enough speeches, entertain you, then I'm the one you want. But that ain't how it works. That's not how it works. And have we see that with Joshua. Did they vote on Joshua? Nope. God picked Joshua. God could have picked Caleb, couldn't he? Because mm -hmm. Caleb was with Joshua when they both back, brought back the good report. Yes. There was no reason for Caleb not to be picked other than Joshua not to be picked. There was no reason. Both of them had did the same thing. And as you're going to see, Caleb was just as honorable as Joshua in the eyes of the people, in the eyes of God. But God made a decision. Joshua, you're going to be the one to carry it on. Mm -hmm. And Caleb was fine with being number two. That's what God works. So let's look at Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. And, and the, the, this sermon is about God's grace in the wilderness. Display of God's character. God's grace in the wilderness. Or it could be said God's grace after the wilderness. A display of God's character. They crossed over. They've done that. So now they're about to conquer. But before you make the next step with God... God has to get some things straight in you. Because you have to remember, the Israelites numbered in the millions. So it took them a minute to cross over. And because Joshua had called for the crossing, had gave the instruction, a lot of times what we'll end up doing, we'll give credit to the person who gave us the order versus the God who gave him the order. Right. See, we'll look at Joshua, look at our numbers, We'll look at how many people we got. And you know churches do that. They look at how many people they got. And they say, look at us. Look at us. Look how mighty and powerful that we are. But see, that's the problem. You're looking at you and not at God. Amen. See, God don't need a majority. He just need a faithful few. As I always tell you that. And with the faithful few, you can do a lot more than you can do with the majority. Because as we see, when there's a lot of people involved, what's the saying? When there's a lot of chefs in the kitchen, nothing get cooked. <laughs> yeah, when there's too many people... Too many people, nothing really gets done. It may appear that it's getting done, 
But it's not because there's too many people trying to pull too many different ways, trying to achieve their agenda versus God's agenda. So God has to temper us and test us and tame us. And we're still talking about sustaining God, a God that sustains us through the time in the wilderness. Now God has to prepare us, but there's some other tests and things that we must go through. But we always are looking at God's grace and his character because God's character is grace. Everything that you have under God is because of grace. There's nothing that you earn from God. Nothing. Everything you do is tainted a little bit or a lot of it. But if God gives it to you, he graciously gives it to you. God doesn't. God shows you mercy every day. Amen. Every day. Because you feel short every day. But his mercy and his kindness will endure forever. And he's trying to show that to you. So let's see what he's trying to show to the Israelites. Let's look at verse chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gebeth Haraloth. Mm-hmm. And that, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Amen. Praise God. I want to do three points. I want to do you can write these down. I want to do the capacity of God, the commitment of God, and the compassion of God. When I speak of capacity, is God able? Yes. And the answer, of course, is yes. Mm-hmm. As we see in this story, we see that this is called to the culmination they have passed, and God gave them the God. It was able to sustain them through the wilderness. God was able to get them across to the wilderness for 40, day, 40, 40 years of being disobedient. God was able to show them mercy and grace and temper them and test them and teach them how to begin to ready to worship so that they can go into the promised land. Your time in the wilderness is simply a time of preparation and it's prescribed by God. You can't run away from it. You can't run around it. You have to go through it. And it may seem as if 
things around you. And, and think about this. They're in the wilderness of 40 years. Egypt was not destroyed. The nations around them was not destroyed. Can you imagine what they were saying about their God as they were left in the wilderness? And that's what you're going to see. See, see what happens when God has got you in the wilderness, people are going to talk about you. Because it's going to seem as if God has deserted you. You going through, you crying, things ain't going right for you. And, and people that are looking at you are going to say to you and to your friends, look. God done left you. Look at them. Look what's done happened. God has abandoned them. And just because they say that, they are testing God's character. Mm -hmm. And they're testing your resolve to hold on to God's character. His capacity to be able to hold on to you. And what normally happens is the first thing that happens is they get nervous when you're going through. Because they know when you go through, you something good going to happen to you. But you know what? The longer you stay in the wilderness, they start disbelieving what God has already showed them what's going to happen to you. So you get people who want to keep you in the wilderness or keep you on that first side of the wilderness was the dark side. But as long as you stay in the wilderness, they're fine because they can't see what God is doing. But you got to hold on to his capacity, his ability to be able to hold on to you. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. He said that because he knew that you would get weak in the wilderness. He knew that you would have doubt while you're going through. He knew that, that sometimes you would begin to rely on self versus counting on him. He knew that. But other people are watching. As they did the miracle, as we talked about the Jordan Ritter, the first thing that happens when somebody sees God do something to you, they begin to get scared. Let's look at verse one for a second. It says, as soon as all the, what? The kings of the Amorites, Ammonites, who were what? Beyond the Jordan. What they do? They got scared. Mm -hmm. They got scared. And the Canaanites, they got scared. They got scared to the point that their spirit was crushed. Yeah. They got scared because they had never seen anything like that. They had heard. They didn't see it. They had heard because they were west of the Jordan. They had heard about the Egyptians and now they hear about Jordan and they get afraid because, guess what? They're in the way. There are some people that's going to notice what God is doing to you and get nervous because they're in the way because they see the capacity of God in your deliverance, but you can't see it yet. You can't see it yet because you're going through. People are watching as you go through to see how you handle it. That's why I say, saints, we go into certain territories so people can watch us conquer and come out. We just it's the same God. But the biggest thing you got to conquer is not a land thing. It's not a person thing because we don't war against people. We war against principalities and spirits, right? Mm -hmm. In high places, we, we war against those who come against the kingdom of God mm -hmm. in the spirit world, okay? So the biggest problem with the biggest enemy you got that tries to trick you is the people that's looking at you, but also your mind. Because think about what happens when somebody fears you. When they fear you, they try to destroy you. And we're going to see them try to come against the, the nation of Israel. See, when you fear, people are going to talk about you. When you fear, people are going to come against you and say, well, you shouldn't be here. You should be there. You should be doing this with your spiritual life. You need to be doing this or that. But it's always to take you away from God's ability to be able to sustain you. It's always to try to get you to go outside of God's word. Search for something different. Buy some oil. Buy a cross. Get some holy water. It's always doing some external when the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's always some extra. Mm -hmm. 
And all you got to do is hunker down and stay right where you at. As we see in the story, what happens after they were circumcised? He told them that they remained to get healed. Mm -hmm. See, that's what I'm saying. As God is circumcising your heart and your mind in the wilderness, you need to remain with God so you can get healed. Mm -hmm. That's his capacity. Let's look at verse 9. Read verse 9. I want to show you something. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. So today, God wants to roll the reproach. And you say, well, pastor, what is the reproach? What, what, was, what is the reproach of Egypt? The reproach of Egypt is simply this. They spent so much time in the wilderness, Egypt began to spread rumors about them and they God. God's capacity was doubted. You mean he freed you from us to lead you in the wilderness to do what? To die. And see, they began to question what? God's commitment to them. See, anytime you're going through the wilderness, people are going to question God's commitment, therefore question your commitment. They're going to try to get you out of being committed to God. You see that God has brought you in. You see that God has brought you over. But what they want to say is, you know what? Well, you've been in it so long, you pulled yourself out. That's man. That's right, Sister Jackie. That's man. That's your, that's your ego talking. You know what? God left me in so long, I pulled myself out. God ain't had nothing to do with that. That was all me. Me and my friends. They, she came to me with a word, and look at I'm out now. Not knowing that God is the one who, who brought you out. And it's just like the devil. He's going to send a substitute to try to take God's glory. He said, this day I'm going to roll away the reproach. And the reproach was they taunted God's people. Meaning the king, the pharaoh sat back in Egypt and said, look at them. They questioned God's commitment. So now we're going to go with the, we're going to go with the commitment of God in the wilderness because he wants to roll away that taunt. He wants to roll away that time where, where, uh, they are taunting him. You're going to be taunted while you're going through by people. Amen. You can't avoid that. They're going to talk about you, Sister Curly. They're going to talk about you, Sister Jackie. They're going to talk about you, brother. They're going to talk about you while you're going through. And it's sad that the biggest people that's going to talk about you are people inside the house of God. Amen. They know you're going through, but we should pray, not talk. Amen. We shouldn't talk about you unless we got an answer for you. And the only answer we got should be godly answers. Not worldly answers. So God's capacity was challenged. It was limited to those who were in the kingdom and around. And the Egyptians taunted them. So God wanted to roll away not only the taunting, but the sin. They had done nothing yet to deserve or to plan for what God was going to do for them. So God told them to consecrate themselves. So the last thing God wants them to do is leave behind what they left behind. God wants you to leave behind what you left behind. He doesn't want you to take it with you. He wants you to leave it behind. So all that they went through with the Egyptians, he said, leave that behind. Leave the idol worship behind. Leave the anger behind. Leave the envy behind. Leave behind everything that you use to worship an idol Leave it behind because you can't take it to worship me. Leave behind the way they fight because you're going to fight with the weapons I give you. 
God wants you to trust totally in him. And the last act of obedience was we're going to circumcise the men that were left through the wilderness to get rid of their flesh. See, that, that sacrifice was we're going to leave the foreskin behind, the flesh behind of what we did in the wilderness and what the Egyptians were taunting us about. We're going to leave it where in the in the Jordan. That was it. One last act of obedience. And God said, now that you're circumcised, stay still until I heal you. Amen. A time alone, a time of reflection. When God is healing you, he's trying to get you to reflect on, on him. Yeah. He's trying to get you to yeah. see him in your deliverance so you can go conquer. See, sometimes you have to be delivered before you dance into your destiny. So you can't go a minute before God wants you to. And that's why you got to always stay focused on God. As you're going to see as the story goes on, every time Joshua even consulted God and God gave him an answer, he was successful. And just when we get presumptuous and believe that God is going to do it the way he did it before, then we step outside of God and do it our way and there's defeat. Mm -hmm. He should have learned with Moses. Yeah. We're striking the rock. Mm -hmm. But we don't. And you won't. And I won't either. God has to continue to take us through this cycle until it gets in us that we need to count on him from everything. So it's God committed to us. Go to Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy. Let's look at God's capacity in Deuteronomy before we go to this community. Deuteronomy 9 and 27. And so also remember the servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? Do not go, do not regard the stubbornness of, of his people or their what? Wickedness or their sin. God says, look, Moses is saying, look, don't regard what they did and hold back what you have for me and the people of Israel. Don't regard what they had. Don't think about what they what they've done. Forgive them. See, he wants, he wants God to rely on his commitment. See, he says, look, I know what you did. I know what they've done. I know that we haven't been faithful. But God, please be still committed to us. Still show your capacity to save us. Still sustain us. Even though, and that's the way we come to God. We come to God with this position of, even though we are who we are, we have Jesus. And we don't come on our own merit. We come on his. That's why the Bible tells us, that our life is hidden in him. It's not by our righteousness that we come before the throne of grace. It's because he was righteous. See, that's what you got to understand. When you come before God, you come before God hidden in Christ. So all your sins are hidden in Christ. So when we got Jesus revealed, what Jesus is telling us is, I've come to cover you so that you can be reconnected to God. And Jesus explained, we learned in Romans, that we all fall short. There's none good, no righteous, no not one. But we have God showing his capacity for faith because we come by grace and faith. That's how we come. We have faith that that happened at the cross, worked, and now we're covered by the blood and we can come to Christ. We can come to Christ. Go to Deuteronomy 9.28. Read that. Lest the land from which you brought us say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land that he promised them, and because he hated them, he has brought them out to put them to death in the wilderness. So this is the time. Think about this. Who is the they? He's talking about the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. He's saying, look, my 
capacity is good. I can do this. But you know what? They don't believe you can do it. Lord, they don't believe that you are committed enough to bring us out. They, we've been in with us for 40 years and they don't think you're able. They believe that you brought us out here because we're sinners and you wanted to destroy us. How, why would God make you leave us and then let you tarry in the wilderness? He must want to destroy you. See, people who are unsaved get God's signals mixed up. People who are unsaved get God's signals mixed up because what they believe is what was meant for your good that may look bad is actually bad. Man means it for what? Bad and God means it for your good. So you see, a, a, a man who is a woman who's not connected to God can't see past the circumstances that you're in. They can't see past what you're going through. All they can see is you're going through something. You say you love God. So God must want, don't like you no more because you didn't did something. And so God going to punish you in this wilderness and he's not there to deliver you. And God must be doing that. But see, that's not why God got you in the wilderness, as we explained before. God got you in the wilderness so he can break some stuff off of you. God got you in the wilderness so he can temper you like that, 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 that metal put in the furnace. He wants to burn away the dross off of you. He wants you to stop being an idolater. He wants you to stop counting on self. He wants you to leave your sin behind. Because God wants to get the glory. See, anytime that you have a relationship with God, remember, your sole purpose is to give him the glory. You are not David. You are not Joshua. You're not Goliath. You're not none of these people in the Bible. You are you with God. And what I mean by that is you can look at God's word as a narcissistic thing and say that you're David. No, you're not David. You're you. Amen. And you're going through some things that David went through because you're a sinner. And your thing is unique to yourself. But you could use the principles that David showed us in his word when he was concealed and Jesus revealed and the epistles Jesus explained to govern your life like David did so you can be a conqueror. But you're not David. Don't look at it. Don't be so narcissistic about the characters in the Bible and say that you are them. You are not them. You are you. Yes. And God is trying to do a unique thing through you so he can get the glory and be praised forever. Amen. Yes. So God's commitment is being tested. Let's, let's look at uh, and commitment means what? Dedication and devotion. So what they're testing is, the Egyptians are saying, is God dedicated? Is God devoted to you? And the answer is yes. But again, I want to reiterate, there are people on the outside looking in because of what you're going through don't think so. They think because your people are sick. They think because you may not be happy at the moment that a bill may show up you want to expect. And, you, and something you're going through, an illness or a job loss or a family member loss, that he'll look at you praying to this God and he's not doing what you want. God is not your genie. No. He is not your God because he does for you. He's your God because he created you. Yes. He's your God because he is the one who sits high and looks low. He is the God that sent his only begotten son. That's why he's the God for you, because he saved you from your sin. Yes. Now, anything else that you get from God is still grace. You don't buy, as Carolyn said before, you can't buy God off even with your prayers. Don't think that you do. You're wasting your time because God is committed to you because his word, he can't lie. That's why the Bible says, let his word be true and every man a lie. Because, see, the Egyptians were lying because they couldn't see the commitment of God based upon their natural lives. 
You see the commitment of God because you're a spiritual creature. You see God is committed to you because his word. He's faithful. He can't lie. He is truly faithful. He's always faithful. And he will always be committed and devoted to you. All he's asking you to do is believe. We read John. These things are written that you might believe. This whole book is written that you might believe. Believe in who? Jesus. And that's what we preach and teach. We preach Jesus. We don't preach people. We preach Jesus. We're a conduit. But the commitment by God is greater than the commitment by your family members, even your husband or your wife. God said he would never leave you nor forsake you. We may. Because we're human. Humans make mistakes. Humans sin. But God can't sin, so he'll, when he says he'll never leave you, when God says there's no other way to him but through Jesus, he meant that. When he said if you come up any other kind of way, you're like a thief and a robber, he meant that. Because he's committed to you. God said, I'm not going to let nobody in just any kind of way. Because I'm committed to you a certain kind of way. There's a certain exclusivity to the gospel. The gospel is good for everybody. It's only exclusive to those who we believe. If you don't believe, you won't experience the power of the gospel. And when he take his church out, which would be us, the world be left to its own devices. And that's a scary thought. But God is committed to you. He's devoted to you. Look at Numbers 14 and verse 15. So we got God surpassing keep us. We got God sustaining us. And now we got God committed to us. Let's see what the scripture says. Numbers 14 and 15. I got it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them that he has killed them in the wilderness. So here we go. God's not able, right? When Moses plead with God, God, I know they've been disobedient, but if you kill them, they're going to say you don't have a commitment and you don't have a capacity. God is pleading. And that's how a man of God should play, pray. I pray like that. I pray God no matter what they do, honor your promise. I'm not testing God. I'm just reaffirming to myself that God said what he said. Amen. I'm not questioning God. I'm just, God loves me when you remind him of what he says. He's not offended by that because that's the way he knows you know what he's saying. God just honor walking truth. And continue to do what you said you were going to do for us. But it's not the fact that he's not going to do for us. It's the fact that people are saying because they can't see that God's not able. And God's not committed. Go read 16. 16. It is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give them that he has killed them in the wilderness. He's still telling them what they will say. Don't listen to what they say. They say don't mean anything to you. Mm-mm. They say should not control your life. Amen. They say she will not control this ministry. Amen. I don't listen to nobody outside of the ministry if that's not godly to talk to give me advice about this ministry mm-hmm. or anything on God. Mm-hmm. I don't spend no time talking to heathens about God unless I'm talking the gospel to them and they got a chance to respond or not. But to, to argue with them, to rationalize with them, to spend a whole bunch of time with them and I know they're not saved, it's a waste of time. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Okay, 17. And now, please let the power of the Lord be great, as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of their fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Thank God for Jesus, because Jesus broke that. What we're saying is, Lord, you're full of power, and we need you to forgive us. We need You need to forgive us, God, and that's what we pray to God. Forgive us, Lord. The Bible says we don't know what to pray for like we ought. The Bible tells us to forgive, and we ask the Lord to continue to forgive us. We're still in that same position. God has an awesome power that he wants to put on display, and we have to understand we don't earn it. That's why he's saying, God, continue to show your power, even though the world is saying you, you're weak. Okay? Even though the world is saying you're weak. Read 18. The Lord is slow to anger and mm -hmm. abounding in steadfast love, mm -hmm. forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of their fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. So God's commitment is there. God's commitment is there. Go to Numbers 14 and 19. So we see God's commitment. And we see the man's capacity to be able to ask God. And we should all ask God to forgive us and to not visit the generational things that we've done, don't pass it on to our children. We know that that was solved because at some point during the Old Testament, God said, I'm not going to do that no more. Look how gracious God is. He could do it. Uh -huh. He had the right to do it. But God said, you know what? Sister Jackie, your parents act such a fool. I ain't going to pass on this sin to you. I'm done with that. Because for some reason, that's not working. No. The way I... The way it didn't necessarily I didn't like it to. So what I'm going to do is provide something that will take away the sin, the reproach, the taunt. And I'm going to provide Jesus. This is Jesus concealed. God mercifully and graciously, even though they sinned, rolled that thing away that would keep them from being successful. And God wants to do the same to you. What is that he rolls away to keep you, to put you on the path of success? Your sin. Mm -hmm. What does he roll away? How does he roll away? Through repentance. Yeah. See, if you don't roll some things away in your life, repent. That means change your mind. What you're saying when you repent is, God, I believe what you say. It's not about what I think. I'm going to try to align my thoughts and my actions to what you say, regardless of my circumstance of being in the wilderness. Even though I've crossed over, the last thing I need to do is get out of my flesh, which is the circumcision and the circumcision of your heart, and leave that behind what I'm trying to take with me. You need to leave it behind, saints. You can't take it with you. Go ahead, read 14 and 19 numbers. Please pardon the iniquity of this people mm -hmm. according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Uh huh. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. So God is just showing what? Compassion. My last word, compassion. Mm -hmm. All through this, all these words have been shown in each scripture. God shows his commitment. God shows his ability. And God shows his compassion. His steadfast love. Do y'all understand what steadfast love means? That means it can't be moved. That means it's solid like a rock. That means no matter how the wind blows, how the earth shakes, God still loves you for those who call upon his name. God loves you. And it can't be moved, sister girl. It can't be moved. Joyce, it can't be moved, Stephanie. It can't be moved. Arsenio, it can't be moved. No matter what happens, God's love can't be moved. It's deeper than a mother's love or a father's love. It's deeper than a husband or wife's love. It's so deep that God says, no matter what you do, if I'm committed to you, I will show you some compassion. I have the ability to not look at your sin, but look at the Savior. 
and I will show you some grace and some mercy. I have ability to say, Galatians 6 and 1, when a brother or sister is caught a fault, restore them. Have they made, are they perfect now? No. But what you do is say, everybody's perfect that's in Christ. Because God is working on us. We're his workmanship. And he's guaranteed to do that. Let's look at Exodus 3, 32 and 12. Exodus 32 and 12. Exodus 3. 32 and 12. God shows compassion. Exodus 32, 12. Mm -hmm. Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out? to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. So he said to him, he said, look, why should they get to say that, Lord? Don't give them no leg up. And you come to the Lord and say, Lord, don't give my enemies a chance. Because God, you promised me what in the song? You promised me one, you make your enemy my footstool. And you promised you prepare a table before my enemy. You see what I'm saying? This is before David. Now we have David, so we can call on those things like David did and say, look, God, you promised that, that I would be the head not to tell. You promised that you would make my enemies my footstool, and you promised that you prepare a table before my enemies, and yes. you anoint my head with oil, and my cup will run us over. Lord, you, you, you promised that. Okay? I know it's for the Israelites, but it's good for me, too. I know, because I'm calling on the principle of God, okay, and the promises of God to protect me. See, God loves what you call him his principles and his promises. But the, in Hebrews, it tells us that we have better promises. And the better promise is through Jesus Christ. See, we don't, we have a better relationship with, with God in the sense that the promises that we have are based on our knowing of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Coming to a knowledge of Jesus. See, everything that we got is in Jesus. It's not in our prayers, it's in Jesus. Don't make your prayer an idol. Make Jesus your God. Yeah. In your prayer. Amen. Okay, go ahead. Turn, turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Mm -hmm. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, mm -hmm. to whom you swore by your own self and mm -hmm. said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. So hold on, stop right there. So they will inherit it forever. So what, what Moses is doing is reminding God that there was a promise made. And through your promises, you, you, we expect you to perform. You're not like man who overpromises and underperforms. You know what I'm biggest saying? I hate when people overpromise and underperform. They say what you want to hear and have no idea or capacity mm -hmm. or commitment or compassion to get it done. When you fall short of your word, those things, that's what you lack. Capacity, commitment, and compassion. Because you don't, you don't, your word is not so, your word is so lousy that you don't have enough sense that it shows how passionate about what you say. If you don't trust what you say, how can I trust what you say? <laughs> Think about that. That's why the Bible tells us what? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You ain't got to say nothing. You don't have to build up for me. Y'all should know this by now. Just tell me the truth. If you can't work, if you can't do it, fine. I'm not mad at you. I'm upset with you when you tell me you will and you don't. Versus saying, well, Pastor, I, I don't know if I can, but then you show up. 
I'm going to give you a little secret for your work, everyday work, to show you how that works. Let's say you have an assignment and it's due on Friday. And you can get it done on Tuesday. Okay? Don't tell the people you, you're going to get it done on Tuesday. Accept the assignment for Friday and get it done and have it done by Wednesday. But don't make a promise you're going to have it done on Tuesday that something happens and you don't even have it done by Friday. Don't overpromise and underperform. Just perform. So God can get the glory. Don't go around saying God told you. You know what I mean? Saints and God is in here. We don't need to say that. It will be evident that it's God by the fruit that it bears. Not by the words that come out of our mouth. And I know it's hard for some to stop saying that because they've been saying it all this time. But I'm asking them, has that really worked for you? No, it hasn't. Because you're lying on God. And God can't bless a lie. And when you're lying on God, he has no intention of blessing that thing and making it fruitful. The devil will. And then the devil's got a job to say that. See, see God don't like you. Because, you know, look, you said his name. Look, it didn't, it didn't even happen. So God never told you to say his name. You did that so we pay attention. When somebody say God told me my radar goes up and I really pay attention. Because I'm looking for an error in what you're saying that don't match up with what? The word of God. Because now if you're saying God told you something, we need, to, we need to open up Revelation and start another chapter behind it. Because that means the canon of scripture should be opened again. And if you say God told you something, it should be written down and it should be good for everybody. Amen. But it's funny how when people talk about God tell me, I've never heard people tell me that God told them to get out of debt. God told them to live right. God told them they messing up. God is always telling them something good about themselves and something bad about somebody else. Is that how it go? They bless you cursed. You need to get your act together. And they get, they waking up with their shoes under somebody else's bed. Amen. Romans 3 and 3. I'm almost done. Because think about this. He keeps saying, what the Egyptians say? Think about it. He keeps saying, what if they say? We've been in the wilderness so long, people don't even believe that you're going to bring us out. Same thing with you, Walker. We've been doing what we're doing now, and people don't believe that we're going to blossom to where we need to be. We know we are. Amen. Ain't no doubt in my mind. Amen. We cut away some people. We cut away some things. Only to have what I think is the best church in St. Louis, actually. Amen. It's not about our numbers, it's about our faithfulness. Yes. You know, who can say, you know, we have anywhere from 80 to 90% people of who we have come to Bible study? Most churches can't say that. Right. They get 10%. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So look at let's look at Romans. This is Jesus explaining. Let's see how Jesus explains all this stuff. If people looking at us, they don't believe God is what? Faithful. Amen. People don't it wasn't, but they ain't, well, they not. Well, why are they going through? If you faithful, God, then see they question not only your commitment, God's commitment, and God's character. Which falls under God's grace. God's grace brings about the character of capacity, commitment, and what else? What's the last thing? What's the, and compassion. God's a compassionate God. Let's look at Romans 3 3. Go ahead. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? And see, this is what they were going through in the wilderness. This is where Paul got this from. What if they was unfaithful in the wilderness? Does that stop God's promise? What did we see Moses say? God, you said it, so it shouldn't stop it. 
You didn't make it a quid pro quo. You didn't say, if we do this, then we're not going to make it to the promised land. You promised Abraham, while he was a Gentile, that he was going to have a promised land. Mm -hmm. And that his offspring would number like the sands of the, the sands in the sea and the sands on earth. He would, have a, he would have numerous offspring. So does your unfaithfulness stop God's promise? No. It may delay it as we see in the wilderness. So think about this as a mind thing. Whatever you're trying to conquer through your mind, be it addiction, be it, be it, be it an attitude, it's delayed because of you. It's not delayed because he can't. It's not delayed because he's not committed. It's not delayed because he's not compassionate. It's only delayed by the sin that you carry in your life that you're not repented for. God can and will deliver you. But what he's saying to you is, is look, you stay in this state because I'm trying to shake these things from you. I'm trying to shake you out of this thing. <clears throat> Read forward. By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. So you can, you can let you be justified in your words. Your words are only justified when they're justified by God, when the words of God. So God said, let his words be true. Let God be true in every man a liar. That's what Moses is trying to count on. Moses saying, let what you said be true and let what they talked about be a lie. Okay? He's saying, leave that alone. Let that be a lie. And see, we got to know that God is God, right? Amen. So look at, let's look at uh, Lamentations 3 and 22, and I'm done. And this is how we know that we can count on God. We can count on his capacity to keep us. We can count on his commitment to see us through. And we can count on his compassion because he has steadfast love for us. Lamentations little one. What, what, where are we at? Three and twenty-two. It's three. Yes, Lamentations three twenty-two. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Mm -hmm. His mercies never come to an end. Mm -hmm. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. Great is your faithfulness. He renews his mercies every morning. Steadfast is his love, immovable, unshakable. That's who God is to us. We give God the glory because he hasn't moved from us. No matter what it looks like, he's always with us. We're mighty because of our faithfulness. We're mighty because he is faithful. The Israelites were mighty because they trusted God. And remember, before we go conquer what we have to conquer, saints, there are some things that we must get rid of. Not this out in our flesh, but because of our flesh. No, I don't want you to circumcise yourself like they did, but I want you to circumcise your heart. Amen. I want you to circumcise your heart so that you know that God is God. And now after you consecrate yourself and circumcise your heart, now we as a unit are ready to conquer. It can't be one person left behind. We can't go forward until everybody is on the same accord. Amen. We can't go forward with every, with, until everybody is focused on God so God can get the glory. We don't take no glory from God ever. But what we do is we stand with God. We stand in his truth. We stand in his word and we count his steadfast love. So, God, I'm praying right now. Continue. To show that you are able. No matter what happens, oh, Father God. No matter what is said around us and about us, 
you have the capacity to keep us. And Lord, continue to show your commitment to us. As we go into the conquering land, we have crossed over. And now it's time for us to move forward and continue to show your commitment to us. And Lord, always show your compassion. Show your compassion to us, Lord, as we move forward. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to fall short. But your word says that these mercies that you give us are renewed every morning. Yes. And Lord, because you're a compassionate, gracious God and your steadfast love, you've shown us through time and through your word that you're committed to what we're doing, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. Lord, you promised to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we believe you and we trust you, Thank you. and we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen? Amen. 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 Praise God. Hello, this is Pastor Jay of Walk Truth Radio Podcast and Senior Pastor of Walk Truth Radio. I'm inviting everybody in St. Louis out to our Meet Us in the Park Allow Outreach Day. Yes, we want you to come out and have food, fun, and fellowship with us in the parking lot. Yes, in the parking lot at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ, 2301 Wallace Avenue, Overland, Missouri, 63114. Everybody's welcome. Come, let us pray for you. Come learn about all the great programs that we have at Walking Truth. Our outreach for addiction and, you know what, even the misfits may show up. Yes, we're going to have music, entertainment, games, and most of all, free food. Did I say free food? Yes, free food. So come out October 27th and from 2.30 until 5 at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ, 2301 Wallace Avenue at the Walk in Truth. Meet us in the parking lot outreach. I always want you to be encouraged, be blessed, and come eat up this free food because I don't have nowhere to put it. Peace. Hello, this is Pastor Jay with Walk in Truth Radio Podcast. I'm also the senior pastor of Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church. I'm asking those who've enjoyed the broadcast, learned, to partner with us and help us acquire our first building. Yes, we're looking forward to moving and growing in the community of St. Louis, Missouri and around the world. And it's time for us to step out on faith and move into our first building where we can continue to do the awesome ministry that God has called us to do. Again, if you would like to donate, please, you can go to the support button at the bottom of the screen in the description section, or you can go to our Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Facebook page and go to the fundraiser and follow the prompt. We thank you in advance for any donation. We are 5013C Church. Your donation may be tax deductible. Please check with your accountant. There are many other ways to donate too. You can mail it to us at Walking Truth, 7852 Milan Avenue, St. Louis, Missouri, 63130. Also, you can donate on Cash App at dollar sign W-I-T-C-F-C. We're also on Venmo at James Sutton II at Walk in Truth. We're also on PayPal, James Sutton II. So I'm looking forward to receiving your donation and you being a blessing to us. But the most important thing is that you continue to pray for us during our time of transition. We thank you in advance and we pray that you would consider us as a possible place for your donation and your worship. You know what I always say. I always want you to be encouraged to be blessed and be at peace. 
And remember, always walk in truth. I'll see you on the other side. Peace.